O God of grace and glory, we magnify your holy and perfect name this day, and we ask that you would grant us grace as we delve into your word. We ask that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts and give us understanding. We ask that you would quicken our wills so that your Holy Spirit would then apply these truths to our lives and we could then place them into action. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Many years ago, long before I thought about becoming a minister, I was at a discussion group. It wasn't really a Sunday school and it wasn't a Wednesday night gathering. I can't recollect what day it was, but it wasn't an official gathering. More like a college and career group. I was in my mm, mid-twenties. At the time, I was taking some time off from college and I didn't really have a career yet. But a bunch of us were discussing some things with a minister who would then later become a good friend of mine. And we were discussing forgiveness and about letting things go. That was one of the buzzwords of the mid-80s, letting things go. Maybe you recall that. It's actually stuck with us for these 25 years. Letting things go, letting go of the hurts of the past. That was the basic gist of it. And there was a, a fellow there who I was friendly with whose basic line of argument was, I can't do that. I'll never forget his words. That it's not the way my family does things. We hold grudges. It's not the way my father does things. That's ne- that behavior has never been modeled for me. Everybody in my family holds a grudge. They remain bitter. We would do well in the Hatfields and McCoys. I can remember those words almost word for word. Yeah, many of us have those type of sentiments. Many of us come from families that do hold grudges. And very few of us, let me say, have had Christian forgiveness actually modeled for us when we were children. It's a fairly rare phenomenon. And the pastor, who was very wise for his years, he was still young himself at the time, said, you know, I hate to break this to you, but you don't really have a choice in this one. You don't have a choice. The scriptures tell us that forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the scriptures also tell us, for if we do not forgive those who are indebted to us, then we ourselves will not be forgiven on that great and final day. He said, so you see, it really is in your best interest to shed this family trait of yours of wanting to hold a grudge and forgive those who have hurt you. And then he said, and by the way, You haven't been hurt all that much. I know a lot of people who have been hurt exceedingly more than you. You haven't been given that quite a rough ride in life. I don't ever know if that young fella who's my age now, no longer young fellows, I don't know if he ever woke up to that particular lesson. If you were in that conversation, which person would you have been? Would you have been in the role of a pastor or a counselor pointing out to someone that forgiveness is a requirement of the Christian life? Or, sadly, would you might be that young man who was saying, 
I can't forgive. I won't forgive. It's never been modeled for me. It's not in my genetics. I just don't have it in me. Who would you be? Who, who do you most empathize with? Who seems like the one that you most resemble? Sadly, for many of us, it's the, it's the young fellow who refused to forgive. There are many, many in the church who speak those type of sentiments. They might not use language of Hatfields and McCoys, but please give him some slack. He was in his early to mid-20s. He wasn't really thinking things through all that much. Do you forgive? Have you forgiven? Are you willing to forgive those who have genuinely hurt you? If not, well, let me be frank. That's a very serious problem. If you are, or have been, or are willing, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Forgiveness isn't easy. If it was easy, we'd see a whole lot more of it. Have you ever noticed how nature wants things easy? You have to explain to a child sometimes, well, why does the cat or why do they go after the little things? Why don't they go after the big animals? Well, why would the cat go after a turkey when it could go after a chipmunk? One is just, it's just easier. That's the way the world works. It's easier to sit on the couch than exercise. It just is. It's generally speaking more fun as well. It's easier to sleep in than to wake up and go to worship. It's easier sometimes to call in sick when you're not sick and not go to work. And the easy way is the easy way because it's easy. And forgiveness is hard and that's why people don't do it. But nobody ever said, certainly Christ didn't say, that the Christian walk was easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not. And there are many churches who are preaching an easy believism, an easy walk. And that is, frankly, a false gospel. They might be getting some of it right, but the message that Christianity is difficult to do Getting saved itself is relatively easy. You beg God for forgiveness and trust Christ. That doesn't take much effort on your part, does it? Actually, it's no effort on your part at all. All of the effort was Christ's. But now working out your salvation in fear and trembling, that's much more difficult. Trusting Christ for your initial justification is a fairly straightforward experience. It's easy to understand, and it's certainly pleasant to do. To be forgiven is fun. It's fun when you realize God has taken my debt, my spiritual bankruptcy, and has put it onto Christ's back. That is good news. That's why it's called the gospel. Did you know that the word gospel in Greek means good news? That's the good news. Your debts are canceled. But now, the flip side of the message, now that we've been forgiven, that we have to then forgive others, well, that's not quite as easy to hear for most of us. It's just not. It's not as fun to forgive people. I'm certainly not going to ask you to raise your hand, but sometimes it feels good to hold the grudge, doesn't it? Yeah, I see some of you just kind of smiling. Some of you are trying not to smile. It is. 
How many of us at times have been hurt by somebody? And maybe we even have forgiven them, but then something in the future happens to them and there's a part of us that wants to say, well, they got theirs. Justice has been served. We don't mind hearing that. Well, they got theirs. She got hers. He finally got what was coming to him. That's a pretty common phrase. It rolls off our tongue. Try it. It rolls off your tongue very, very easily. I knew that someday that would happen. Tried to warn them. And now the chickens have come home to roost. The bets have been called in. The books have been uh, leveled. What's the, the financial word I'm looking for? The books have been balanced. Think of how many metaphors you can use to get that that nasty sentiment across, which really is just good old-fashioned nasty vengeance. Do you know why we don't forgive people? Because we don't want to. It's not because we can't. It's because we don't want to. And very frankly, that young man who... Oh, it was 1985 when that happened. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? When that happened, what he really was saying is, I just can't be bothered. Has nothing to do with his parents not modeling forgiveness. Guess what? The vast majority of us didn't have forgiveness modeled in our childhoods. It's not that common. It's not. So when we say, it's hard for me to forgive, that might be true. Most likely it is. When we say, I can't forgive, that's a lie we tell ourselves. What we're really saying is, I won't forgive. You see, when somebody says, I can't walk, and they're in a wheelchair, it's the truth. But when somebody says, I won't walk, hmm, but they use the word can't, now that's not the truth. You see, if you have someone in your life that you need to forgive, you have to forgive them. You're not allowed to hold back on that due. Because you see, if you don't forgive, then guess what? Here's what's odd about this. When you think about the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you don't forgive those who are indebted to you spiritually, and bear in mind that this text is dealing with those who have actually hurt you. It's not about imaginary slights. It's about real Moral death. Someone has actually, objectively hurt you. They have actually done something morally wrong against you. You can actually go to one or more of the Ten Commandments and you say, look, there it is. There's the indictment. There's the proof. Your guilty is charged. If you don't forgive them, here's what's weird about this. You accrue another debt to God. If you don't forgive those who are indebted to you morally... You owe another debt to God. And the question is, do we want to keep adding our debts up to God? I think the answer is no. A resounding no. We want to be clean before God. We want to be just before God. Life isn't easy. And I really think that forgiving those who have hurt us is way up there with the most difficult things any of us will ever do. Earning a living at times is difficult. 
Earning an education is always difficult. Persevering in marriage is not easy. Persevering in the faith isn't easy, but forgiving those who have hurt you, that's, that's brutally difficult. What's even more difficult is when you have to continually forgive them. Remember what Peter said. Master, how many times should I forgive my neighbor? Up to seven times? Seven times would be a lot, wouldn't it? If somebody did something to you? Objectively, they did something really nasty to you and you forgive them seven times. Most of us would say, hmm, not pretty good. Pretty good. person embezzled from you seven times and you forgave them. What is, you know Jesus' answer, right? The multiplication, according to Jesus. Up to 70 times seven, that's 490. And that was just an example of pointing out to Peter that you know, you've set the bar a little low here, Pete. It's not as if you get to 491 and then you say, that's it, you're cut off. But the odds that anybody is going to do something to you 490 times is fairly far-fetched. That's an awful lot. Well, maybe not. If you're married to somebody for 30 years, 40 years, mm, speaking sharply to them, speaking down to them, you could do it 490 times very easily in the course of 30 years. Actually, probably well within 10. That would only be 49 times a year. That's, that's less than once a week. It's not very hard to speak to our spouses in an unkind manner less than once a week, is it, folks? Have you ever done it? No hands? Yes, we are guilty. How about to our children? We have our children under our care for 18 years. You think it's uh, possible to speak unkindly to them 490 times? And children, if you're under your parents' care for 18 years, believe you me, you can disobey them 490 times. You will exceed that amount. And we're to forgive each other. And when we think about it, forgiveness is a beautiful thing. If it is one of the most difficult things for us to do, then when we actually do it, it's a grand thing because it is so unusual. When we watch the Olympians, did you, you know, we watch those Olympics, some of them, and, and we're astonished at their ability and their hard work. And the regular Olympics, don't get me wrong, they work, they're talented, but they work hard. Those swimmers, they pretty much live in that pool. They dream about the smell. They walk around, they smell nothing but chlorine. They're in that pool at five in the morning for years and years and years. Always. But when you watch those Paralympics where the people are disabled, I read in the paper, actually on the internet, about uh, the Paralympics, uh, a Chinese fellow, I don't even know how he could do it. I'm going to go home, and, not today, but try and find out how, how can you do a a butterfly stroke or some type of swimming stroke when you don't have arms. Swimming isn't a real easy skill. It doesn't come naturally to humans. I don't know how you can swim without arms. We really admire somebody who can do that because it's so exceptional. If we can admire somebody who is a marvelous physical specimen and who can swim in the Olympics, how much more than someone who doesn't have arms? That's that's beyond my understanding, that type of mental grit to be able to do that. 
Forgiving someone who is consistently offending you is exciting because it shows a Christ-like character. And if you haven't looked around lately, a Christ-like character is at least two things. It's extremely uncommon. And when you see it, it's stupendous. It's amazing. And hopefully it makes you want to be like that person. And the scriptures are replete with examples of it. King David, when we read his accounts with Saul, when he, before he was King David, he had every right to take Saul out. The kingdom had been taken away from Saul. And the Lord sent an evil spirit to Saul to torment him. You know that part of the story. David was friends with Jonathan, King Saul's son. David was a talented musician. Saul calls for David to come and play for him to soothe his spirit. David was always there for Saul, a faithful servant, a faithful subject of the king. And Saul began to be jealous and tried on numerous occasions to kill David. And then when David grew older and became a warrior, Saul became jealous of him and chased him and hounded him. And basically the country almost erupted into a civil war. And on at least two occasions, David had Saul in his clutches and he didn't do it. Didn't take him out because he understood, even though David at that time had been anointed as the future king by Samuel, he said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. He understood that God had a hierarchy. And that Saul at that time was the Lord's anointed and David refused to take justice into his own hands. Saul then dies. David consolidates his kingdom. And when things finally settle down, he asks, is there anyone left over of the house of Saul that I could show kindness to? Hmm. That's, 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 that's pretty unusual, isn't it? The head of the family tries to kill you unjustly on multiple occasions. And he finds that Saul had a relative. Try and, if you're not happy with your birth name, try being named Mephibosheth. That's a tough one. Say that 20 times real fast. You'll be a public speaker in no time. He was crippled. And to be crippled in ancient Israel at that time was, it's not easy now. The world looks with disdain still upon people who have disabilities, which is awful. But back then it was viewed as a curse. Oh, you must have done something wrong to get like that. Or your mommy or your granddaddy must have done something awful to land you in that predicament. And he asks for Mephibosheth to be brought to him. Now, if you were, I'm just going to say M, if you were M at that point, you'd be very nervous, wouldn't you? Because you'd be thinking, well, that's that's the end of it. The jig is up. He's going to kill me. Because that's what kings do. They wipe out their enemies and they wipe out the male survivors of their enemies and they sell off the females. That's what happened in the ancient world. That's not what happened. David brought in Mephibosheth, sat him down, gave him a special place at his table in his court, and from the day he died, he was treated well. Because David was a gracious man. 
And he remembered his friendship with Jonathan, Saul's son. And in so doing, David showed true Christ-like, godly, covenantal characteristics. And we must do the same. Think of what a Christ-like character that is. Foreshadowing Christ as the great king. David didn't foreshadow Christ as a priest. He wasn't a priest. He foreshadowed Christ as a king. And Christ as a king has forgiven you. In your natural human nature, you're related to Saul in God's economy. But in his grace, God has adopted you because of the grace of Christ. He's justified you in his sight. Now the question asks, what are you going to do with that? You see, we forgive because we have been forgiven. There is a legitimate reason why we forgive. We don't do it out of just the kindness of our hearts because if we were left to our own devices, none of us would be that kind. It's easy to be nasty. Does it take much effort? Does it? No, it doesn't. But I'm asking you to reflect upon what God has done for you in Christ. And that is the basis to push you forward that we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. We can do no less. Now here's what happens, is that we actually think that what people have done to us is of greater offense than what we have done to God. Now here's what I want to challenge you on. And I want you to think, if there's someone in your life that you need to forgive, and I want you to ask what they actually did. Now, maybe they actually did something serious. But what's sad about many of us is that the things we hold on to are momentary offenses. They're not even all that big of a deal. Do you realize that some people hold the most childish of grudges for generations? If you think of a generation as being 18 or 20 years? Over some ridiculous slight that happened in high school? I even fall prey to it, believe it or not. Years ago when I was on Facebook, I was just, you know, when you first get on, you just start punching your names to see what people look like. Oh, ah, he was handsome in high school. (laughs) Not anymore. There he goes. Okay, got no hair, and he's heavier than I am, and his thing didn't turn out too well for you, huh? And, well, hopefully you don't feel too happy about it. But I typed in a few names to people who definitely had done me wrong. Years ago, when Carter was president, we were kids, 16, and I typed it out. I thought, ah, there he is. There he is. You know what he did? He owes me $10. He owes me $10 since 1978. He took money from me when we were sophomores in high school. And I remember calculating... Hmm, if I added up the interest on that, that would accumulate to a nice sum of change. And you know what? He lives in Pennsylvania. You won't believe this. I actually found out where he lived, and I thought, I'm going to find out where he lives. Well, it's in eastern Pennsylvania, so no, no good there. But, I mean, come on. It's ten bucks. In 1978, not that big of a deal. But there was something in me, even after being a Christian all these years, that just a little, a little tiny 
medium-sized flame erupted in the deepest part of my belly, and I thought, you know what? I should message him. I should send him a message and just say, you know what? I just added it up, and I think you owe me about $3,000. Send me a check to cash. Thank you. That's a silly thing. you have anybody like that? Maybe they did something. Now, bear in mind, he actually stole from me. It's a commandment. He actually did wrong. He actually did wrong. It was really hard for me to digest as it, when I was reading his profile. I thought, I actually think this guy became a Christian. You know, he's talking about God and the Bible. I thought, now, isn't, that just, isn't that just something here? I have to forgive him, and plus I have to forgive him because it's sure looking like he's a Christian brother at this point. We have to forgive. You all got a lot more than $10, and so do I. And if God has forgiven us, who are we to withhold that forgiveness from others? Here's one last thing. I want you to think about somebody that you might know who does hold grudges. And maybe it's yourself. I don't know. But we all can find someone who is like that. So they strike you as very happy persons. Do they seem at peace with themselves and with the world and with others? Or do they seem to be really tight-lipped and clenched fist and just ugly on the inside? You see, when we don't forgive others, they rarely take notice of it. They rarely take notice of it. And they might not even care if you forgive them. If you do forgive them, they might say, whatever, I don't care, I'm going to do it again. But it's in our best spiritual interest to actually forgive them, not to let go but to actually objectively forgive the debt. Because it releases something in us. It releases the grace of Christ in us. And it causes us to become more like Christ. And I hope and I pray that that is the only goal you have in your life, is to become more like Christ moment by moment by moment. So that at the end of the day, You are given those great words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That should be the entire goal of your life. Those words on Judgment Day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you don't forgive as you have been forgiven, you will not hear those words. So I urge you to forgive. Because God has forgiven you in Christ. He loves you that much. There's a contemporary Christian songwriter named Matthew West who uh, has been, in recent years, he gets fan letters and he's been writing songs about the things that people tell him about. And I'll give you a quick synopsis of one of his bigger hits. I can't recollect the name of the uh, tune. My children will tell you what the name is. But it's this lady wrote him a letter that um, sometime in the past... She her daughter and a friend of hers had been killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. Now, all, any of us could, could understand where that would cause this woman and her family a great deal of pain, sorrow, and justifiable anger. 
And the young man was sentenced to 21 years in prison. And I won't go into whether or not that was a just sentence or not. But as time went by, she actually was given a ministry by the Lord to go to churches and schools and to speak about the dangers of drunk driving. Literally, a ministry. But then as time went by, the Lord laid it on her heart that she actually had to go a different step and actually forgive this fellow. Now, could you do that? If somebody got drunk and killed your daughter in an accident, would you be able to contact that person and say, I forgive the dead, I forgive you. That's a tall glass of water to drink, and she did it. And it caused the rest of her family to go along with it. And she actually petitioned the court to release the guy earlier. Because the fellow, from what I can gather, became a Christian because of this lady's forgiveness. That's an an unbelievable testimony. And he's going to be released early. That's amazing. There is no other religion that gives us the freedom to do that. And frankly, if she could do that, then we can certainly forgive people for the small offenses that they've given us. And maybe someone has hurt you grievously. Maybe not to that extent. But maybe somebody has hurt you continuously, over and over, in a horrible fashion. I beg of you, I implore you to forgive them even if they don't want it because God has forgiven you and it will do you a world of good. Forgive because you have been forgiven. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord our God, that is the most difficult thing you have given us to do. We simply ask that what you have commanded by your grace, you would enable us to do. In Christ's name, amen.